630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It is 2-2, Islanders and Hurricanes. Third period coming up. Blues and Stars will start in about half an hour. That series 2-1 in favor of St. Louis. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Tomorrow, I'll be set up at Commonwealth Stadium for the show, keeping you updated on the CFL draft. The Edmonton Eskimos will pick third overall. Morley and Dave will be there with me as well. We'll have... uh, a special guest from the Eskimos joining us. Kelly Rudy will be on the show tomorrow. Now, I have not heard this. Maybe some of you may have been uh, tuned in and were able to see it, but uh, I'm sure it'll show up on various forms of social media later on. Uh, and I, I think Kelly realized what he said, and it sounds like he, he was able to laugh about it. But it sounds like Kelly had a unfortunate mispronunciation of Sebastian Ajo's last name. So I think we can probably imagine a couple permutations of how it may have come out. So I'm sure we will. I'm sure we'll ask Kelly about that when we have him on the show tomorrow. Friday, this is going to be uh, fun. Uh, Joaquin Gage, former Oilers goaltender, is going to check in with us in studio. We got to have uh, Joaquin on the Faceoff show in Studio 99 during one of our home games this season. It was fun to have him, so he'll pop in on Friday night. Okay, well, uh, boy, I, you listeners are right on top of stuff because you want to make sure your text is acknowledged and heard and read on the air. So bef- even before 7 o'clock, I, I just mentioned Bob Stoffer's coming up, and I got this text from somebody right away. It says, Reed, can you ask Bob when tree planting starts? My son needs a job. So there you go, Bob. You, you talk about tree planting on the air for 20 years, and people think you're an expert or something. <laughs> well, I haven't talked about it much over the last couple of years, Reed. So, And anybody who actually saw me do it would know that I was not an expert on it, but it uh, actually... Generally speaking, it, it does get started this week. It's the first week of May, and it usually goes until the last week of June, and then they take about two weeks off, and then they go from the middle of July until the middle of August. So uh, if uh, the gentleman's son has not been hired yet, he might be in a little bit of trouble trying to get a job. I'm not sure to what extent uh, the hiring processes work, but uh, depending upon the year, uh, we would have you know anywhere from 150 to 250, mostly students, looking to fill about 60 jobs in a camp. That was kind of the range. So one out of every four uh, kids ended up getting a job. So there you go. There's your three point. I I, I do want to ask you, we're going to talk about the hiring process of something else that that probably more people are interested in, but how many, I don't know if I've ever actually asked you, how many summers did you go tree plant? Because you committed to it quite a few years, didn't you? Uh, I planted for seven and foreman for four. Wow. So 80... Uh, 86 to 91, uh, so those six years, and then 94 I planted, and then 95, 96, 97, and 98 at Foreman. So 11 years total. Uh, I think I calculated in the seven years. I mean, I, I planted a bit in the four years that I Foreman, so somewhere between, well, I mean, most years it was uh, probably about, 
ninety to one hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, that's if we were doing, you know, roughly thirteen to, to sixteen cents per tree. So, do the math on that on the seven years, close to million, probably over a million trees total. Oh wow! Of which my guess is. <laughs> And I had pretty good quality because I had good attention to detail. So you, you have to, right, because we had checkers and stuff. It was, you know, there was a time that it was, like, the cool job to do for university students. I don't know if that's the case anymore. I, I haven't talked to many people that, uh, you know, are still in it. Uh, but it was certainly, when I first started in 86, there might have been four women in a camp of, you know, 40. And by the time I finished, it was pretty much 50-50 out of a camp of 50 to 60, right? So you'd have... 25 to 30 girls and you know 30 guys in a camp out of uh, 60 people so and generally speaking most of the individuals were quite left of center philosophically so we had some wonderful discussions and debate and i i can tie this into the oilers uh you know a gentleman by the name of gord downey from the tragically hip and so he was on our plane with the oilers in 19 or in 2009 so it was the second year he's doing the color and uh, Kevin Lowe was part of uh, the Water Keepers, and Gord was with that group as well. And so Gord was on our plane, and uh, you know Kevin's like, "Hey, stop! I want you to to beat somebody." Uh, and he goes, "Gord, this is Bob Starper. He does our uh, he does our color. He hosts a, a show as well, and uh, it's pretty. He's had a pretty interesting, non typical back, uh, background as opposed to most guys, you know, in his role." And I said, "You know, Gord, just you know, we we often couldn't agree on a lot of things, but the one thing we could agree on." was that everybody loved the Tragically Hip. Like, we had kids from, you know, the B.C. interior. We had kids from the B.C. coast. We had northern Albertans. We had guys from Saskatchewan. So we had people. I mean, and generally they were left and center, but we had some right-wingers, too. I go, but we all loved the Tragically Hip. And just as J.J. Hebert, the PR guy, was trying to wave me to get away from him, you know, hey, go sit back in your seats. Gord grabbed my arm, and he said, my, uh, uh, my, I think he said, my sister married a tree planter. And he said the exact same thing to me a number of years ago. Oh, cool. And then we had this long conversation as the plane was taking off, and then he ended up doing the show the next day. So that was my brush with greatness that was tied into tree planting. And, uh, yeah, I beat out a bunch of people because I interviewed well for the job. And I don't know uh, whether or not uh, Kelly McCrimmon or Mark Hunter was a tree planter at one time in their life, but they're certainly eclectic and have got uh, heavy backgrounds. Well, there's a there's a lot of speculation out there about this job, Bob, and um, you know, every once in a while, you see is somebody uh, say something on a TV show or a radio show, or see something pop up on Twitter where an individual will be blank, blank, blank will be the Oilers GM, and it's going to happen this day of the week. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if it's that definite. Uh, I don't have a vibe on when it's going to be. I know for a while it seemed like it might be this week. Uh, and now I don't know. I mean, we might have one by we might have one by the middle of May. I, I, I think there's not a lot of information flowing about it. Some of the stuff I see, I think I, I think sometimes what happens here, Bob, is there's a rumor or there's gossip, and somebody hears it from person A. Well, person A also told person B, and then person B repeats it, and you think, well, I've heard it from two people, but really it's all just kind of gossip going in a in a circle. So I'm very cautious about what to uh what to report here because it, it's it's pretty tight lip for, from the orders organization yeah it has been uh though I, you know i a couple things i mean the letters it's been reported now that the edmonton letters canceled their uh, pro and amateur meetings and an argument can be you know, they were supposed to take this week uh, take place this week and strong argument can be made well why would you do those meetings 
if you're going to have somebody in place uh, within the next couple of weeks and you're going to have to do them all over with a new individual. Uh, you know, I read, I've had two knee, I did a list January 23rd and a list again, I think the first week of March. And then once the season ended out of respect for the process, you know, I mentioned that Keith Gretzky in the last game of the year against Calgary would merit consideration. Uh, but the list that I had, uh, the, the initial people that I had on the list that day was officially announced with Peter Shirelli. I had Kelly McCrimmon, and then I had uh, Bill Guerin and Norm McIver sort of in the 2-3 hole as a couple names, and then I had Mark Hunter. And then I had a revised list six weeks later, Kelly McCrimmon at the top lot list, Mark Hunter, and uh, I mentioned Ross Mahoney from Washington. I said Lawrence Gilman because of maybe some of the things that – you know, I he wondered whether or not the orders might be looking at, and then Keith Kretzky at that time. I still believe that a couple of the real strong candidates are from that list. I, I think in the case of a guy like Lawrence Gilman, he probably never, uh, because of the fact that he just joined the Maple Leafs, probably didn't want to move to another organization. Um, but I still think that McCrimmon and Hunter are leading the way uh, in terms of the top candidates. I think Ken Holland, if he were to be potentially available, would merit significant consideration. And I think that Keith Kretzky is still in the mix as well. So uh, as for Mahoney, uh, a little bit different guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I'm going to guess at some point Bob Nicholson talked to him. But I'm going to go back to Kelly McCrimmon and Mark Hunter and Keith Kretzky. And those are sort of the three that I think are, are there. I have a personal preference, or not a preference, but I, I think that uh, of the external candidates, to me, Kelly McCrimmon would be, you know, has a slight advantage in one sense because he's from the West Reed, but you know, Jeff Jackson fulfilled the role of the Toronto Maple Leafs similar to one that Mark Hunter did. Uh, Jeff Jackson is Connor McDavid's agent. Those guys know each other. Uh, the guys in the West, and I know you've talked a lot to WHL executives and types. A lot of hockey people out west, you know, Kelly McCrimmon has an immense respect, amount of respect from them. And when you talk to people in Ontario, Mark Hunter is seen as off the chart. So from the external candidates, I think those guys are sitting there at one, two. A caveat at three externally because of maybe Ken Holland's availability. And then uh, the internal candidate is the guy currently that's the acting general manager, and that's Keith Kretzky. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing, Bob. In in this market, with how poorly the team has done for so long, I I, I think probably somebody's shortcomings or perceived shortcomings are going to be focused on maybe more than uh, the experience or the strengths. Uh, I, I mean, Crimin has a lot going for him. I, I don't think. I mean, I still think you got to give George McPhee a heck of a lot of credit in Vegas. I think people forget that sometimes, but you, you said it. Kelly's very experienced. He's, he's from the West. For me personally, and, and I'm, I got to be very careful the way you word this, Bob, because you know I will always give people a chance. If they are hired, I will always give them a chance at as much as a clean slate as I can. It's just with Hunter, I mean, he really wasn't in the NHL that long, and I don't think you can necessarily translate junior success into NHL success, especially the way London has repeatedly stayed at or near the top of the OHL. Is that fair without slagging anybody, I hope? Uh, There's no... Reed, the the perspectives that are out there, there's 
there's there's points that I mean people say well you can't have Keith Kretzky he was part of Peter Shirelli's regime look at the trades that were made here I know you and me both sat there to handle your availability and you know Gretzky was inclusive in terms of the mistakes that were made on the pro side now I know for a fact Keith Kretzky was gone for the first ten and a half of the twelve weeks of the regular season he was not around the team so how much did he input you know the decision as an example to trade Ryan Strom or to uh, to uh, fire Todd McClellan, which I think altered the course of the direction of the season. You know, and, and so, but do I think he knew about those things? Absolutely. Do I think that? Do I think that Peter Shirelli, as general manager, maybe didn't always listen to people? Yes, I do. And that's why it's kind of like some people say, "Well, you got to cut them all off." And and I'm like, "Well, do you know what? Who who said what about what I? And it's and it's a tricky scenario. I do agree with you on your assessment that I view McCrimmon differently than Hunter. I do. Um, I, you know, I'm led to believe that Kelly McCrimmon took on the West and, and, and uh, uh, George McPhee did the East for expansion. I will also tell you that the Columbus Blue Jackets offered Kelly McCrimmon a significant management position at one time, Scott Housen did, and that the Toronto Maple Leafs tried to hire Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, they ended up hiring Tim Speltz out of the West, but they also tried to hire Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, and I, I'm led to believe Arizona did. So McCrimmon has said no to NHL organizations before taking Vegas. So th- he is highly thought of. In Hunter's case, fair comment. He he lost out to Kyle Dubas to be the next GM for the Leafs. He had experience in Toronto. The Toronto draft record during those times is... I mean, Marner was a great pick, and that was Mark Hunter's guy. And what you're saying about London, people have said about Portland, London and the Quebec Ramparts for years in major junior hockey. So, yeah, I see where you're coming from. And, and again, but you can also make it stronger. Like, Ryan Lott was on at A-Read. He said that there's several people that could do the job. People need to remember that. And the other thing I'll throw at you is, let's just say hypothetically it's Kelly McCrimmon. From a neutral perspective, go back to 2015 when you were hosting Inside Sports on April 24th. What was the approval rating of the decision to bring Peter Shirelli aboard at that time? Do you recall? Uh, well, I think a lot of people were excited and, and because he was coming in from outside the organization and he had won a Stanley Cup with the Bruins. I am sure there were questions with, with with maybe where the Bruins were headed. But, yeah, I get it. And it's it's a body of work with anybody, right? And even Shirelli's first two years with the Oilers, uh, he hit a lot of home runs and triples. And then he struck out a lot the last two years, too. Yes, he did. He struck out a lot, and we don't even know why some of the decisions were made uh, on on some players. Like, did something change during the course of Pouliot's year that led him to be buying out, to be bought out? Because I did not foresee that happening halfway through the season of his third year of that contract. Um, so, I'm. What do you think? You put, let me ask you this. Who do you think, if you polled, and I might throw this out there, I don't know if you've done this on the show yet, but if you polled the listeners, who do I want the general manager to be? Realistically, the names that are consistently mentioned. Oh, I think it would be McCrimmon. Yeah, I, I get I, I really that. Do. I, I, hate, I hate speaking for, for, for trying to speak for a large group of people, but yeah, if you, he'd probably win an election, so to speak. Uh. Yeah, I agree, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, and I, I got to tell you, I've done a lot of... You know, look, I, I live in a world where I host a show called The Letters Now. I've done a lot of background research on the various candidates. And I think that Kelly, I, I think the fans want Kelly. 
you know, a higher percentage of the fans want Kelly. I also think Kelly McCrimmon is going to place different pressures potentially on Bob Nicholson and maybe a couple other candidates might in terms of who might be here in the organization uh, when some of those changes theoretically could occur, even to the point of what he might want money-wise. So uh, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how it plays out. Reed, I'm gone the 12th to the 18th. You're gone next week. Yeah. Um, I, it wouldn't rule, I would not rule it out that we could potentially have like a 50-50 that we have a resident, just because there's so much work to get going here. 50-50 that it's actually done uh, during the week that you're gone. So towards the end of the week that you're gone. I can, I can see that happen because I think there's a little bit of urgency now to get going. And the other thing is now you have an opportunity to maybe talk to people that you didn't have before. Uh, quickly here, Zach writes in. He goes, hey, Reed, I heard a rumor that Nicholson will be leaving the Oilers to head the International Ice Hockey Federation. Have you heard any rumblings along this line? Zach, I'm, I'm going to be pretty blunt with you here. I've been hearing that since Bob Nicholson joined the Oilers. So I'm reluctant to place any more credence on it now than I would have four years ago. Two years ago, Bob, someone working for the Oilers said Bob's gone this summer. He's going to the IIHF. So that's one of those things, if people keep saying it and it happens, maybe it'll eventually be true. Uh, yeah, but I, but I mean, I, I don't know. That's that's been keep an eye, keep an eye on Renee Fassell and the KHL. That's all I'm going to say. Keep an eye on Renee Fassell and the KHL. If Fassell ends up becoming the head of the KHL, uh, my guess is Fassell would make a hard push to get Nicholson to replace him. That, that that is just a again from hockey people that I talk to. Bob, you are a tree planter, not a tree hugger. Thanks for checking in tonight. You got it right, bud. <laughs> that is Bob Stoffer, noon to two every day. Oilers now here on 6.30. Chad, love having him on the show. A little bit of tree planting and a lot of hockey talk uh, as well. Let, well, let's let's do an informal poll. You can text in. Kelly McCrimmon, yay or nay? If you, if you, if you personally had to decide right now, you either say McCrimmon yes or, or you keep looking. What would you do? You can text 630-630. Carolina and the Islanders halfway through the third. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chet. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. The Hurricanes have gone ahead. Justin Williams, Mr. Game 3. Will that be his new nickname? He puts the Hurricanes ahead 3-2. Nine and a half minutes left in the third, and the Blues and the Stars just getting underway. Colin says, Kelly McCrimmon, absolutely yes. Somebody else says, keep looking. Somebody else says, nay. Wyatt says, uh, I say yay, Reed. Can't be any worse than last year when Shirelli was here. Let's get it turned around. Uh, this texture says yes, but I wouldn't have an issue with Keith Gretzky. And uh, this texture says I saw on Twitter today that the Oilers still haven't got permission to talk to McCrimmon yet. And that's another thing. They still could be waiting to talk to McCrimmon and other candidates. I know somebody wrote in about Bill Guerin. Mark Spector uh, wrote uh, yesterday or the day before that uh, doesn't look like uh, they're going to talk to Guerin. So his name crossed off the list. Hey, it's going to be fun in studio with a couple of guys from FC Edmonton. They make their Canadian Premier League debut on the weekend. We'll get to that when we get back.
subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. The Carolina Hurricanes trying to hang on and take a 3-0 series lead on the Islanders. It is 3-2 Hurricanes in Game 3 with five minutes left in the third. That is quite a story. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. I'll be at Commonwealth Stadium tomorrow to keep you updated on the CFL draft. We'll also let you know who the Oil Kings take in the WHL draft. And uh, getting busy here with the uh, spring and summer sports, though it doesn't look like neither spring nor summer the last few days but FC Edmonton getting rolling the brand new Canadian Premier League a couple players joining me in studio first of all veteran of the club Tommy Amiobi Tommy great to see you again awesome to be here you got a fun name to say by the way Tommy Amiobi I've never really thought of it. Moving closer to the mic here for us buddy there you go and uh, one of the uh, fresher faces on the club shall we say uh, somewhat. They've been around for a while, but we'll see. But you're not as seasoned as Tommy. Definitely not. He's definitely the, the, seasoned, the seasoned guy that's over the, here. That's the word I like yeah. to use. Seasoned. Uh, no, I gotta, I gotta make sure I get your last name right because you've anglicized it for people like me. Bruno Zebi. That's great. But how, uh-huh. how would you actually say it? Zebier. Zebier. Well, I could say that. <laughs> Maybe not with the flair that you have. <laughs> Bruno Zebier. All right, and yeah. you were born in Paris, right? Yeah, born in Paris. Okay, I want to get to your story, but the veterans get to talk a little uh, bit more uh, first. Uh, first. Uh, uh, Tommy, I had you on, a few, I mean, heck, probably two or three years ago. Yeah. FC Edmonton was in the uh, uh, in the NASL. That league no longer exists, so uh, FC just didn't have a team last year, though there's always, there always the plan to come back. How did you spend last year playing? Um, well... Luckily, I was one of the players who was able to get the opportunity to go down to the States and play in the USL. Uh, I spent the year at Cincinnati, who were in the USL at the time, now in the MLS. And like I was saying, there was a lot of players when the NASL folded who had to call it a day on their careers because there was nowhere to go. But luckily, I managed to get the call to go down there. Now, how do contracts work in that situation? Were you obligated to come back to FC or did you still have a choice for this season? How did that work? Um, Well, I was a free agent at the end of um, last season, 2018. And uh, just Jeff Polis reached out to me. And for me, Edmonton's home. It's been home since 2014. So it was a bit of a no-brainer. All right. Now, we were talking off air, and I remember bits and pieces of your story from when I've had you on the show before. You're from Newcastle. Yeah. Which is not in Canada, <laughs> as people can tell by the accent, I'm sure. Uh, but we were just talking about, well, first of all, uh, have you been practicing outside this week through some of the chillier conditions? Uh, we started outside um, at the beginning of the week, and then obviously we had a bit of a downpour with the snow. Uh, some guys actually still wanted to stay outside, but... Thankfully, we were able to train in the dome the past two days, uh, Scottish's dome. Uh, this is the new one? The new one, Good. which is awesome, but we're back outside tomorrow, so hopefully the snow stays away. And are you at Clark tomorrow? or Clark what field? tomorrow, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, from Newcastle, how do you compare the cold weather in Newcastle to Edmonton? Gosh, I would much rather take Edmonton's cold weather simply because Newcastle, it's always grey, gloomy, the sun never shines, and once you're cold, there's no way you can get warm. 
So even when we have the minus 30 and the blizzards in the winter in Edmonton, you're still like, this is better than Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, obviously when it goes on for like six months, it starts to grind on you a little bit. But <laughs> I still think I'd rather this, this winter than a winter back home. All right. How do you feel about, well, I mean, I know you feel good, but I want to kind of get it in your own words because I think we've needed this. I think we've needed a Canadian league. Uh I mean, we want Canadian players to... I mean, we're still... We want to be in the World Cup more than this one time 33 years ago already. Yeah. Uh, how do you... What's the best part of now the CPL getting going? What do you think the impact can be on Canadian soccer? Um, I think it'll be massive, uh, not just in the short term, but in the longer term. Uh, there's been so many quality players that have been Canadian youngsters uh, who haven't quite had the chance to take that next step whether that be after college or playing with their local clubs there's been no direct route for them a professional football so this is an opportunity for those guys to really um take that up take that chance and make a career for themselves and hopefully it's not just um a successful career over here in canada that they have but they like alfonso davies is the most uh famous one who had a chance here in canada did well and was able to go and he now plays for one of the biggest clubs in the world and that is by Munich. Yeah. Well, let's hope we can we can keep developing players like uh, young Bruno Zebier. Zebier, pretty good. good job. I'm, I'm close. Got a bonus <laughs> about eight percent. Who? Uh, no, you, your story is cool as well. You were born where? I was born in Paris, France. And when did you come to Canada? Uh, I moved to Canada when I was about seven. I moved to Quebec first because a bit uh, easier with the French and everything to adjust to uh, to a different country. And then uh, after five years, we moved to Edmonton. Okay, uh, and did you start playing soccer from just a real little guy? Yeah, so I was playing in France already, but I was never really organized. So I started playing uh, club soccer when I was in Quebec. And then when I came to Edmonton, I joined Edmonton uh, uh, Juventus. And I've been there my entire youth up until uh, FC Edmonton and uh, the U of A. All right, so I mean, you're basically, Ed Edmonton's your home. Oh, yeah, That's where you've lived the longest. Def Do you remember living in, in France at all? Oh yeah, for sure, yeah, especially because okay. I lived through the World Cup in 1998. So that was a, oh, wow, okay. a big one for me. Like, How about, well, what, you would have been like? I was only three. But you remember that, eh? Because they won at home, because, right? Yeah. So I could see the Eiffel Tower from my room. So I would live very close to, like in Paris, right? So. Uh, after we won, the streets were just going crazy, and it's just something that really stuck with me. So, was it was Brazil great. they beat in the final? Yeah, three nothing. Three, three nil. Yeah, Zizou had a great Smashing game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's awesome. You 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 remember that? Um, so getting getting into soccer in Edmonton, and look a lot of and this this is an, another thing. So many kids play soccer. I mean, I, I think some years soccer, Reggie Grayson, you might be able to help me. I think soccer registration has beats minor hockey yeah, some years even, it, or it still is the highest. Yeah. So more kids play soccer than any other sport, yet again, we don't we don't have a great national team. Yeah. Uh, so how were you able to develop, play at a high level, and now play pro, whereas maybe some of your you know, mates in your your age group Yeah, for me, didn't. I'd say that definitely F7 took you at the right time because... Uh, Growing up, I was playing for Juventus, and Juventus is a very successful club in youth. And so, uh, along a couple of teammates from FC Edmonton, we won nationals, uh, and we went to nationals every single year. But it came a time where uh, a lot of our teammates went to the Whitecaps, and whoever didn't go to the Whitecaps didn't really have anywhere to go. It was just you keep going with youth, or you try and play men's, but that's about it, right? So, uh, FC Edmonton came around in 20, 2012, and they had their first uh, academy program. 
and uh, a lot of us actually got selected for our program so that really helped us out because uh, we uh, saw the likes of uh, the Sean Seikos, the Tommy Amiobis and we wanted to be playing with them right and uh, what the coaches gave us at that time is a chance to train with them and so we really soak it all in and, and uh, you, you feel at home with those guys they help you out every day and you feel like you belong there so it's, it's been great honestly. All right what position are you? Uh, I can play almost anywhere, but we'll see. <laughs> but 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 in a game you can't do game, that, Bruno. So you have to pick one. Uh, it's a tough one. <laughs> I'm gonna go in my favorite position. I'm gonna go center mid and fullback. Really? Yeah, center mid and fullback. That's amazing, Tommy. Yeah. Is he telling the truth? No, no, he is. He, he's a man with many talents, Bruno. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Toby, you're still you're playing up front. Yeah. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Is he the leading all-time scorer? Oh yeah. Also, Behind uh, Fordyce. Yeah. Darryl okay. Fordyce. He's still got that <laughs> number on oh. me. Yeah. You'll catch it. How many goals does he need? Four. It's four behind him? Yeah. yeah. No pressure. No, not that yeah. anybody's counting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're, uh, when you're uh, I guess, you know, to use the hockey term forward, but striker in, 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 in soccer terms, Tommy, when you play that position, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a game where, heck, sometimes you win one nothing. If you get to two, you're probably at least going to get a tie and you might win. Uh, so I mean, you really know you got to capitalize on your chances. I mean, the pressure is there. You you can't waste any opportunities. Yeah, and the thing about football is sometimes those chances are few and far between. Um, you can work on that stuff as much as you want in training, and obviously that helps a lot. But come game time, um, you might only get one or two chances in in ninety minutes, and so you've got to make sure that your mind's right and you can capitalize on those. So that's something that I definitely want to improve on this year as well and hopefully myself and the rest of the forwards at the club can get chipping with a few goals and hopefully win us that title when when we when you talk about scoring goals and making the most of your opportunities i mean obviously you, you know you're playing pro so you so you have a lot of skill is goal scoring for you in soccer is it about is it about the skill or is it about the determination and and reading the play um obviously the skill comes into it plays a big factor but I think what pushes you over the edge is just that mindset having that mindset that you want to be the one who gets on the end uh, of the ball to put it in the back of the net um, timing runs all that sort of stuff uh, it's not something that you c- is easy to teach um, but at the same time unless you get yourself in those goal scoring positions you've got to want to get yourself in those goal scoring positions you're not going to get the ball in the back of there so that's something that again that our coach preaches day in day out you've got to want to put the ball in the back of the net so that's something that we're going to look to do this year are you are you fast like well let me put this way when you when you create an opportunity well i don't know i didn't mean to make bruno laugh there when you when you when you create a scoring opportunity is that a product of speed is that you know you're you're good at headers is this that you have a really hard shot i mean what's your number one ability as a scorer to be honest i think most of it is down to the rest of my teammates the guys who are underneath me supplying the forwards with assists um they make our job as forwards a heck of a lot easier um than it should be so (laughs) with us it's just getting ourselves in the right position that's 99.9 percent of uh being a striker is being in the right position and we have quality players like Bruno um, who can deliver some pretty tasty balls so yeah 
All right. Uh, just want to update quickly here. Carolina has won. They got a couple of late goals to beat the New York Islanders 5-2, so a 3 nothing series lead for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, somebody texting in, when is their first home match? Well, I was going to get to that, but you guys have a your first home game is Sunday, May 12th against Pacific FC. That's going to be at 1.30 at Clark. Uh, just Google FC Edmonton or FC Edmonton schedule. You can check out the whole thing. But you have a road game this Saturday in Winnipeg uh, against Valor FC. That's the name of the, the team in Winnipeg. I mean, I'll ask both of you guys. Now that it's finally here, like it's fine. And I know the league started for a couple other teams. I think there were, were there two games last yeah, weekend. Two games. Yeah. So started for four teams. For, for this, Bruno, I'll start with you, that it's, it's finally here. There's a Canadian Premier League. You're on a team in the league. You're going to play in that opening game. Honestly, I... Couldn't be more excited, right? So, like you said, it's finally here, and it's something that we've been waiting for for a very long time. And now it's here. We gotta perform. We gotta put on a show for the fans. I feel like uh, if you watch the first two games, uh, this league is gonna be something special. See a lot of young players who not many people knew about playing very well and surprising people, right? And uh, the fans, the atmosphere looked it looked very good. So, uh, I think for us, we're very excited, and I think that. Uh, if everyone buys into it like we have and the fans and our family and friends, I think it's uh, it's going to be here to stay. It's going to be very special. Yeah, um, to go off the back of that, to be honest, I think with our group as well, it's been quite a long pre-season and the guys are all itching to get going. We're sick of seeing each other, playing <laughs> against each other every day. Uh, you want to actually get into the, the meat of the season, which is the competition. So... Um, yeah, I guess instead of kicking lumps out of each other, we get to kick lumps out of other, other people other now. Yeah. yeah, We'll get to some more with uh, Tommy and Bruno from FC Edmonton when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Three minutes into the game in Dallas. No score between the Blues and the Stars. And as I mentioned, the Hurricanes win again 5-2 over the New York Islanders. They get a couple goals in the last minute of the uh, third period to put it away. So a 3-0 series lead for the Carolina Hurricanes. In studio, joined by Tommy Amiobi from FC Edmonton and Bruno Zibier. <laughs> you laugh every time I say it. I don't know if that's good or bad. Because I got to do the flare with my hand. I, that helps me pronounce it properly. I hope. It makes it better. It does. It does. All right. Wait, I got I got a couple people on the text line saying, I wish you would call it football instead of soccer. Um I don't know. I don't think I can do that in in Canada because I think it would confuse people. I know we're the freaks in the world. But <laughs> I'm told me you were you call it football when you, does it like it does it bug you to hear uh, soccer? I think I've grown used to it now because again when you meet anyone and they ask what you do, if I say football, they look at me twice and they're, they're like, "There's no way you can play for the Eskimos." So <laughs> I've just got used to calling it soccer now. Yeah. Uh, what other? Uh, coming from England to Canada, what other words did you have to learn don't mean the same necessarily? Oh. Is there anything that caught you off guard? Or maybe things you use to describe something that, that we don't? Um, Are there really subtle little things? There's a ton of things, but they, I just can't remember anything right now. But I think one thing that really gets me is how Canadians really accentuate their words. Yeah, you really, you really add a lot of flair to your words. 
were very expressive. Very expressive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I know people are probably listening to you right now and loving your accent. Maybe not as much as the two Irish guys I had in two or three years ago, Watson and Fordyce. Yeah, those two. I had one guy text in and said, uh, my girlfriend just said she's going to leave me and she's coming to the studio to meet these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, so what nationalities do you have on the team? I mean, obviously there has to be a, a certain number of Canadians. Yeah, so uh, we have a lot of French-speaking players. Okay. And they're from different places in Africa. So um, Ivory Coast, Senegal, Cameroon, those are the places of Ghanaians. So, uh, Nigeria. So, yeah, Nigeria, uh, Sierra Leone. <laughs> so it's uh, really diverse. And on top of that, we have players from Spain. So honestly, uh, when I look at our starting lineup, there's only about two players who are just... Uh, Canadian. <laughs> Does but everybody you, like, speak English or or, or soccer yeah. English anyway? Yeah. So. yeah. Everyone speaks English. And then uh, I have uh, a few Sikh players from uh, India. Okay. And, uh, and Sun as well from South Korea South as South well. Korea, yeah. Wow, so incredible roster. Yeah. That. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, Tommy, were there ever teams you've been on where there were uh, communication barriers, communication issues? Um... I probably found it most challenging when I played in Finland for a year. Really? Um, yeah, Finnish is quite a tough language to even get to grips with the basics. Um, and most of the team talks were done in the native tongue. So that was a bit of a, a struggle for the first little while. But when you get out on the field, football's kind of the same language worldwide. and. It's quite easy to pick up on what people are asking you to do. So, yeah. So, you lived in Finland for a year, though. Yeah. How did you enjoy that? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, we lived in a little coastal town called Vasa. Uh, it was actually closer, quite close to Sweden. So, there was a lot of Swedish speaking people there. Um, small town, probably like 30,000 people there. But it was a great experience. And they had a pro team, eh? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, what how the do different nations in different leagues how much can the styles vary if at all uh i think they vary a lot wouldn't you say bruno yeah definitely so there's definitely uh uh different cultures when it comes to uh to soccer uh football but uh so i didn't do that so i, I went to england and i uh, had the chance to watch uh four games from four divisions so the premier league the championship league one and league two and even from that alone um the the culture was different so for example in league two it was a lot more direct uh big players everyone was big so if you're five six you're not playing <laughs> okay so you have to be tall if you're not tall and big you're not playing and that was direct just knock down headers on the ground crosses and then you move up a little bit you go to the championship and that's why you see uh more of the 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 nice type of football where they like to move the ball around and take players on one-on-one -on -one and do things like that and it's Premier League and so the skill <laughs> so rises different, to the, different ball the game, diversity yeah. and the yeah. skill rises to the top for yeah. sure uh, so Bruno your family's in Edmonton yeah so they they see you play all the time yeah tell me what about uh, your 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 family I don't know if you have parents siblings if they've ever come over to watch you play I think my family have seen me play I can probably count on one hand amount of time in person <laughs> yeah. Really? wow yeah yeah obviously playing all over the world it's quite hard for them to get out to games but uh, they follow along back at home, so still have all that support. Right. Uh, what What else? Uh, I know you were peeking at the TV when you came in. Have you guys been watching playoffs or you know the hockey, the basketball? Did you ba watch basket Tiger basketball for me? Bruno for basketball. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm a Celtics fan. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Didn't do well last game, but uh, Taiwan won, so hopefully we uh, we can beat the Bucks. But with Giannis, it's, it's kind of hard. <laughs> And Tommy, you must have now, Bruno. You living in Montreal and Edmonton, yeah. you you got exposed to hockey. So yeah. you, you, even if it's not your number one, you, yeah. you know all about oh, yeah. it. What about you, Tommy? Did you have to? Did you have those? What are these guys on skates doing yeah. for three hours every night? <laughs> like I, the first few games that I watched of hockey, I couldn't even follow the puck for anything. It's getting a little bit better now. <laughs> um, starting to understand the rules a bit more, but yeah, it's 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 grown on me. Uh, my team choked in the playoffs, so I don't really watch it anymore. So that means your team's either Tampa Bay or Calgary? One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he doesn't want to say which one it is, so we will, uh, we will leave it at that. All right, so uh, again, I, I'm really glad there's a Canadian league uh, going. I'm, ex- I'm glad, you know, the, the Tom Fath, uh, your owner, Jay Ball, your GM, kept the team going through last year. Tommy, it's great you're back in town. Bruno, great for you, you know, an Edmonton product, U of A playing pro for FC Edmonton. So again, uh, just Google FC Edmonton or Canadian Premier League. Check out the schedule. Get to know the teams a little bit. You guys play Saturday in Winnipeg and then Sunday, May 12th at 1.30 against Pacific FC is the first home match in the CPL for FC Edmonton. Tommy, Tommy Amiobi and Bruno, I'm going to do it without any hand gestures. Bruno Zebier. See, I couldn't do it as well without moving my gesturing. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot for coming in. All Thank the you. best this season. Thanks for having uh, us. And uh, Grayson, thanks for bringing these guys in. That was that was awesome. Have a great season. All right. Tomorrow I'll be at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. Keep you updated on the CFL draft. We'll talk about the WHL draft. Kelly Rudy slated to join us as well. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer this evening. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. You also heard from Bob Stoffer, Jay Onright, and Oil Kings defenseman Will Warm. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.